Hello, mate. How's it going, buddy? You all right? <laughs> Hello, Trev, mate. Fancy seeing you here. Yeah, I'm all right, mate. What have you been up to, bruv? Well, not a lot, mate. You know, you know, same old, same old. Watching films. You've been watching films? Watch any films? Yeah, I've been watching films, mate. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Do you, uh, do you want to have a little chin wag about it over a pint? I'll tell you what. Yeah, let's do that. I've got me pint here. Have you got a pint there? Yeah. I've got a pint in, bruv, yeah. No worries. Nath, you, you watch a lot of films? I Yeah, I do watch a lot of films, mate, yeah. 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 I've got to be honest, I think the rest of the world's probably watching a lot of films right now, but I was watching a lot of films before it became the only thing to do during lockdown. What was the last film you watched? Can you remember? One of the last um, noteworthy films that I watched, that I really enjoyed and I've watched several times, is The Martian with Matt Damon. You ever seen that? I've seen it once. It's a Ridley Scott film, isn't it? Yeah. I've got to be honest, I really enjoy the overall feel of the film. I don't know if it's intended to be, for, but for me personally, it's a real feel-good film. It's almost science fact, isn't it? It's, we sort of call it science fiction, but it's not that far off actually happening, is it? Yeah, I don't think we're too far away. It, it, it's not a huge leap from where we are to where the film was set. That's that's what we're going for, I think. And just the basic sort of solutions that he comes up to, to the problems of, um, you know, growing potatoes on Mars, which is all totally feasible, um, given the scenario. Obviously, you know, we would actually need to have some sort of um, base on Mars to actually achieve it. But, you know, they weren't too far, they weren't too bigger stretches for the imagination. But, no. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's the last noteworthy film that I can remember watching. Yeah, I can't really... I did watch it when it first came out. I haven't watched it since. And it's one of those I'll have to watch again to sort of refresh my memories. I did enjoy it. Um, I do like Matt Damon anyway. Um, Not so keen on Ridley Scott, if I'm honest. Oh, let's do a director's cut, you know, of every single film. It's like, he's that established now. I'm sure he doesn't need to do all these director's cuts of all these different films, you know? He probably has final say anyway, so it's it's just money-grabbing. That's my opinion, anyway. That's my ten yeah. cents. And I thought Blade Runner was dull, pretty, to be honest. Uh, what, Controversial. The, the reboot? No, no, the original. Controversial. I've got to be honest, I, I don't, think I've, don't think I've actually seen the original Blade Runner. That's just Harrison Ford, that one, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Is it Harrison, Harrison Ford? Harrison Ford, Rutger yeah. Daryl Hannah. Okay, so you you're not a Ridley Scott fan? No, I'm afraid I'm I'm not. Probably losing losing listeners already, you know, <laughs> at this early stage. Uh, but the next thing I'm going to say is the film that I was watching the other day. The last film I watched was a yeah. film that we watched with uh, the kids on Disney Plus. We got Disney Plus for them for lockdown, and it's a film called Timmy Failure: Mistakes Were Made. And I tell you what. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely hilarious. I'm not sure who the writer-director was. I think he's written stuff for Disney before. I think he had a, a hand in Up and stuff like that. I can't remember his name. But it's about this little boy who's a bit of a loner. He lives with his mum, who's, like, separated from her, from his dad. And he, he runs this detective agency, which is absolutely just all in his own head. But he runs it like it's a real business, um, and his partner, right, yeah. his partner is a a polar bear, 
who also is an imaginary character. But I tell you what, Nathan, it's so funny. It's so obscure. It's got sort of a, a Wes Anderson feel to it. I do enjoy a good Wes Anderson, actually. Uh, sorry, I'm just literally trying to find uh, some sort of imagery of the film whilst we're uh, whilst we're discussing it. And I can yeah. see the polar bear and I can see the kid. It's yeah. starting to make a little bit of sense. I can sort of picture it now. Yeah, really great film. I love it when the kids choose a film and you're like, we've got to have family film night. And you think, oh, what are we going to watch now? But to be honest, that was a pleasant surprise and I could probably watch that again. Uh, there's been some good stuff on Disney Plus, actually. Um, is it called Into the Wild? Um, the Harrison Ford? The Call of the Wild. Harrison Ford. Yes. In the middle of like... I suppose it's Alaska, somewhere like that, isn't it? I have seen that advertised, actually. I quite fancy watching that. Yeah, that was really good, about him and this this dog who's like a post dog. And it's the story of the post dog, really. But they end up together at the end. And, yeah, that was really good. The kids didn't enjoy that one so much, though. But that was really good. The, the thing is with films like that is, I've got to be honest, as much as I enjoy them, if if I get the slightest inkling from the trailer or from the write-up, that it's about an animal and that any arm's going to come to that animal, I struggle to bring myself to watch it. Yeah, I don't, spoiler alert, but I don't think the dog dies in the end. Well, that's that's a bonus. Yeah, it's it's good because the dog is sort of like just this, it starts off with this dog just wrecking this house in like America. And then I think it gets thrown out because it's just too wild. Um. But then it ends up on this journey. It's got this primal call that keeps sort of guiding it on this path. Yeah, really, really interesting. Really, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I don't know if it's based on a book or something, I think, but definitely rate it. Yeah. Well, I'll have to but, look uh, into that one, mate. So that's what we've written. That's, that's is that, is it, go on, mate. No, go on, you say. I was just going to ask if it was a fairly recent film. What is it, the last five years, is it? Yeah, I think that came out last year. Might have even been the year before. It might have just been on the cinema before lockdown, the first lockdown. Uh, do you think that coronavirus and lockdown has had a large effect on the movies that have been coming out or the number of films that have been coming out? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of films yeah. now are being streamed when they was going to get cinema release and they were just being streamed straight away. Some films are being streamed and released at the cinemas. But I mean, you know, people aren't going to the cinema in the numbers, hopefully. There's still an industry or still cinemas after all this, you know. A lot of the smaller chains might end up going under. Do you think they're still producing films during this period or do you think that's even had an effect? I reckon film production would have slowed down, but they, they, films and TV and that are still being filmed. But I'd imagine it's having Because a... it's essential work. <laughs> I mean, like, um, didn't James Cameron... <laughs> sort of went to New Zealand, didn't he, to film the rest of the Avatars. So they've been in production in the last year. Right. I'm actually... What did you think of Avatar whilst we're on the subject? When it came out, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it at the cinema that much. I saw it four times at the cinema. Wow. The only other film I've seen four times at the cinema was another James Cameron film, Titanic, both of which blew me away in the cinema, but they don't have the same impact on DVD. Right. I can't sit through Avatar anymore. James Cameron is a great visionary director, 
and great at pushing technologies. But I'm I don't know what he's going to do for these other films. But, you know, it's been nearly 20 years, hasn't it, since Avatar came out? It's been a long time. Um, 2009, Avatar. Oh, was it? The first one. Oh, right, 11 years. Yeah, I've... Well, it's long enough, isn't it? Only 10 years out. <laughs> Nine years out. But it maybe it was 20 years since Titanic. Oh, it would have been easily. Titanic, I think, was 96, 97? 97. Yeah. Yeah, 97. Wow. But, um, yeah, I wonder if he's left it. I mean, I know he's been waiting for the technologies to make Avatar, so it's probably going to be groundbreaking. And for that reason, people will probably go and watch it. But you just can't help but think, has he left it too late? to strike for a sequel. Who knows? Who tell why? Well, you know, I mean, how long did Star Wars make it take before they made the, did George Lucas wait before he made the first three films? The first three prequels, yeah. That was, uh, well, they came out late 90s, didn't they? And the last Star Wars film yeah, came out in 80. Was it early 80s? Was it? Return of the Jedi, 82. And it felt like the longest time ever. But when you look now, how quickly, you know, Lord of the Rings came out 20 years ago and you think that 20 years just flown by. But the 20 years between Return of the Jedi and The Phantom Menace seemed like a lifetime, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Return of the Jedi was filmed or released the year I was born in 1983. So I was like zero when that came out. And then I think Phantom Menace, I must have been... I must have just been at secondary school. It must have been, what, mid-90s? Late-90s, So, surely. yeah. Let's have a look. 99, Phantom Menace. Yeah, it was late-90s. 99, late 90s. yeah. So that was nearly 20 years ago. The thing ago, is, though, is Avatar 2, or Avatar 1, does not have... I mean, it's all right to make a comparison between these films of the span between the prequels and the sequels, but the the, the original Star Wars films had a monstrous following. They were a phenomenon. Avatar does not have that following. So even if you had a shorter gap between the two, I don't know if people are still going to follow it in the same way that they would or no, be as accepting of it in the same I way they would have. The, the film st- hasn't aged well. It, I'm not saying the effects, but the story. Certainly people look at it as like a, a Smurfs meet Pocahontas meet Dances with Wolves. You know, it's stolen from all those things. Star Wars was just a groundbreaker, wasn't it? Nothing had ever been seen like that when the, the first Star Wars film came out. Whereas, although no. the effects of Avatar were amazing, we were still in the middle of a digital age where films like Lord of the Rings were groundbreaking anyway. So you've got... Sorry, Nath. Sorry. That was the last film I watched. Lord of the Rings. We watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy over the last couple of weekends. <laughs> Did you know? How'd you forget that? How'd you and forget it, that? It would take a couple of weekends as well, wouldn't it? Well, we done one on a Sunday afternoon, and then the following weekend we watched The Two Towers on the Saturday, and then Return of the King on the Sunday. And I'll tell you what, I could have watched them straight away after, having stopped. Just brilliant. They just have an age. It's just great. And they feel like a journey, don't they? You know? Yeah, there is definitely... At the end of Return of the King, there's definitely that sensation of... You know when you've had an absolutely banging weekend and it's time to go back to work on Monday? Yeah. You know? It's that sort of like that deflation when it's over. It's like, ah. Coming out of the cinema, watching them consecutive years and then coming out of Return of the King, you felt like Frodo at the end of his journey. You felt, 
I can't fit back into society now. I've got nothing to live for. Yeah. <laughs> In a sense. It, it was amazing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you are. Like, you come back to reality with a bump and you're just like, well, but, and there was such a build up in the media and in your own head waiting for the finale because the films were epic in a way that sort of hadn't been seen before. And then when you finally come out and you're blown away and you're trying to digest this massive, like, I mean, how long was Return of the King? What is it like a three, three and a half hour film? Three hours and 20 minutes or something. Yeah. Plus, I've got what the extended yeah. versions. <laughs> we didn't watch them this time, though. To be fair, the, who's the got bits, the time when they've got a family? Well, we forced the family to watch it with us, or we just let them have tablets <laughs> on in the room with headphones while we're on it while we're watching, <laughs> just so they don't disturb fair us. Enough. But uh, our oldest boy watched it with us. I think he's watched them with us every time. Uh, the only bits in Lord of the Rings that. I find dull is the elves or not the, the Eowyn story. Aragorn and Eowyn just slow it down. Don't they? And it's just, I could do without that. You know, I don't get nothing out of that story. No, no, it's a difficult one with it, with it already being there. I don't know how I feel if it'd be taken out, but it, it doesn't add anything to um, return of the King. That's for sure. No, you know, it slows it, definitely it down doesn't. and it's like, yeah, she becomes mortal to be with him and true love, blah, you know, all that. Oh, it's a lovely, it's a lovely story, but I could do without it. And my wife as well, we both said it at the end, it's like every time their scenes start, you're like, ah, pick up your phone, looking at your phone and, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, is you're comparing, the problem is, is that they're trying to work in a really slow moving uh, romance story into something that is just wall-to-wall action. Yeah. You know? Uh, and, that's, and I know it's all from the know. books. It's from the original book, so... And Peter Jackson has tried to be as close to the books without upsetting anyone. You know, he doesn't want to upset the fans, so... And I think he'd done a blinding job. Sure. And then we're saying about the Star Wars films and then the Phantom Menace and that come out and... They just, to me, it didn't bring anything new to the series. I think he messed up. The prequels was extremely dull. And I think that when Peter Jackson done the prequels to The Hobbit, much the same. They just, to me, not not a patch on Lord of the Rings. It's difficult, isn't it? Because the storyline had already been told. And, you know, the story the storyline for the prequels for Star Wars had been written years in advance of them coming out. It's, um, you know, is it underwhelming because there's nothing new or exciting visually or because we've already been introduced to this world, this universe, um, and that we're not I, sort of in awe of that? I mean, I don't. the visual effects in The Hobbit were not too dissimilar to what we come no. become accustomed to in the Lord of the Rings films, you know? But I just think I didn't feel sort of gripped by the story. I didn't, I didn't feel gripped by the characters particularly the dwarfs it just missed yeah. something that the lord of the rings had in abundance i don't know what it, it, i can't pinpoint what it is but they they are dull the only one i liked actually i watched the first one and i thought this is a long film and i was getting a bit restless 
I like the Gollum scenes yep. where, you know, oh, the ring, he's found yep. the ring. But by the second one, I was like, I, I can't be bothered to watch this. You know, I watched it at the cinema and I was like, I just couldn't wait for it to end. I, did, I just wanted to get out of the cinema. The third one, I didn't bother watching until it came out on DVD. And I actually really enjoyed it. And I would have liked to have watched the third one at the cinema, I think. Now, is the third one the decimation of Smug? No, the third one is the Battle of the Five Armies. Battle of the Five Armies, right. Yeah. I, do you know what? I'm not entirely sure that I've seen... No, I think I have. I think I have seen all three of them. Oh, Billy Connolly's oh, in it, Christ. mate, isn't he? Do you remember? Of course he is. Yeah, he's riding a pig. <laughs> he, is. he is riding a pig, he? is he? riding a pig, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. But, um... I've always thought that man should be riding a pig. And there it was on TV. It's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? Sometimes, <laughs> you know, your thoughts just... I, I, I couldn't work out at the time. I was like, did that happen because I thought it? Or not? Who knows? Crazy. So we like the older sort of sci-fi fantasy films. Obviously, you could tell from this conversation. But what is it? What was the first film you remember really loving when you was a kid? When I was a kid, yeah, the first wow. film that you can remember watching, sort of sitting down and taking in. Can you remember that far back? Yeah, one of the very first films that I can remember taking in. Um, I mean. We were introduced to things like Star Wars, A Dark Crystal, um, Krull. Do you remember Krull? Krull. Yeah, did that have Mark Hamill in? No, I don't think it did. My parents were very much into a um, fantasy kind of thing, like, you know. But one of the very first films that I can remember watching time and time again was Walt Disney's Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Do you know, Yeah, I think as a child, that was my most watched Disney film as well. It just, I don't know, there's something that just sticks with me. And to this day, the cockerel with the, with the loop, is it a loop yeah, that he's playing yeah. or something? Yeah. Uh, just how he's like narrate, narrating the story and he's very matter-of-factly and casual, like, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's just brilliant. It's, and the mood that sets in the changes with... Um, when when they're in the in the prison in the castle and the oppressed town folk, you know, in chains that are all starving and they're being taxed to death, and it really does, you know, it change. It really did change your mood as a viewer, like you know. Yeah, definitely, you felt that was, yeah. sort of. Yeah, the oppression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, Robin Hood is always a classic. We have watched that since we've had Disney Plus as well. Again, the kids not interested. It's a sign of the times, Nath, isn't it? When they're not interested in a lot of our films. Yeah. They'll all watch Labyrinth again and again. Well, it was, I've watched that again recently and it's, it's absolute, it's shocking. Really. It's crap. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was as good as I used to yeah. remember it. I, I got to be honest with you. I've, I've never enjoyed it. You've never enjoyed I it? Got, I, I from, no, no. It, first of all, when I was a kid, it creeped me out because I was about three when it came out and the, the puppets in it just used to freak me out. I couldn't yeah. couldn't take it. And, um, yeah, it, it tainted me for the rest of my life. I couldn't watch it <laughs> and enjoy it. See, I, I mean, I can watch it now as an adult. I'm stable now. but I used know. to not be able to watch any films with midgets in. 
because when I was <laughs> true, anything with midgets in. Because when I was about three, I watched anything the making with midgets of, in. Anything with midgets in, like if you had uh, Willow, I couldn't watch that till I was a lot older. Um, <laughs> Willow, Lumpa oh Lumpas my god, yeah! In Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I couldn't watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And it's I could because see why I that watched, would make anyone uncomfortable. I watched the making of Return of the Jedi when I was a kid, and it's like there's these cute little teddy bears, the Ewoks. Then they take off their masks, and they're tiny little, like misshapen men. And it freaked me out. Uh, and if there's any midgets, listen, we're not allowed to say midgets, are we? I don't know the PC term, but if there's any listening, <laughs> maybe I do apologise. I'm over it just now. Avoid- but as a child, oh my god! Honestly, it, it freaked me out for years. Oh well, yeah. True story. I mean, you know, we all we all have our uh, <laughs> bugs to bear, don't we? I mean, that's yeah. I mean, should we just edit around that, or is that going in? <laughs> we'll see. You, I don't know. But uh, I've, you know, I've, you know, my film that I grew up on was Jaws. And then the Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, how many times we'd seen that? I had four. No, I didn't. I had three older brothers, and my oldest brother was always into the Star Wars films. And I think when we moved down here, I think I was about six when I watched Aliens. Um, yeah. So that always makes a big impression on me now. And I think going back yeah. to Cameron and Ridley Scott, do you prefer Alien or Aliens? <sighs> It's a difficult one. They're two, they're two similar but completely different films. Mm. I love the uh, horror film sort of styling of Alien. Yeah, you know the suspense, the almost um, the fear of the unseen, uh, almost in the same way uh, as Jaws, like if you like. Yeah, and then um, and the, the effect, the Alien you know, itself, groundbreaking, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's amazing, you know, and uh, what a thing to be terrified of, you know. I mean, if you, if literally, if that's like the first horror film, stroke alien type film, stroke uh, alone, isolated in outer space type scenario that you come up against in your movie sort of uh, viewing as a young person, it's going to terrify you, you know. And um, I, to to add to that, I was a little bit. I when I was younger, I had sort of minor fears of claustrophobia like you know yeah so when they go in the vents chasing this thing with the flamethrowers you know and it starts off being this tiny little alien they're chasing and next thing you know it's this full-grown sort of uh you know human-sized beast it's oh it's frightening but compare that to aliens and aliens has got everything you want to see you've got uh marines making ridiculous i mean i'd you know being that it's set so far in the future, the tactics that they're using and the mistakes and that they make in the plot leading into the scenario where they're all trapped inside this building uh, that's full of aliens is just ridiculous. But it gets them to the point where they're having this big shootout with a load of aliens, which is what they wanted to show, which is wonderful. But I, got, I think, yeah, I think answering my own question, I think Alien has to be my preferred film. Yeah. How about you? Um, I do like Alien, but I do love Aliens. I don't know. It's a tough one. I think, 
you know, if I got I got the box set downstairs, and do you know what I watched the most? No, the special features. <laughs> I'd sooner watch <laughs> the making of both of those films than watching either of those films. But I but I, yeah. I recently watched them both again, and um, they are great. They're both great. I think I prefer Aliens possibly because it's once you've seen Alien, it's still tense, but the tension doesn't work like the action works on repeated viewings. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I'm with you. The, the, the problem, the problem for me with Aliens is, although it is a perfectly good and enjoyable film, when you take a step back from it all, it just strikes me as a a tool for a merchandise drive. Yeah. You know? It's got... I mean, the the scene with the power loader at the end is, oh, my God, that's just a human driving a robot suit fighting a giant alien. I mean, what more does any kid want in their life? You know? <laughs> it was just amazing. It's brilliant. It's just, oh, I loved it. Yeah. And uh, I think the Bishop character as well was brilliant because um, after the betrayal in Alien, the um, the synthetic betrayal in Alien... Uh, Bishop being so honest and decent and loyal in the second film was uh, was just great. You know, I love that. But I, it does feel like a lot of the choices they made in the film, like the way they, in the plot, they drove the plot to get the Marines all into that building. It just, it just seems really weak, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah and I you think know, that's something just... in Cameron, because James Cameron, again, wrote that screenplay. And I think that he can right. often write, sort of simplify things, you know, to move the story forward. Like, yeah, he yeah. comes up with these real visionary, he's a great artistic sort of mind. He's, his designs are amazing. Like you say, the imagery of the, the loader. You know, all these science fiction yeah. films, Terminator, Aliens... Avatar, they all seem to exist in this same universe, don't they? You know, it's James Cameron's future, isn't it? But yeah, sure. At the same time, he sort of makes real weak choices sometimes, like the blatant ripoff of the story for Avatar. You know, it's taken for so so blatantly taken from your dances yeah, with Wolf, yeah. Pocahontas. But that mineral that they're after. What kind of a brain thinks we're going to call it unobtainable? It's just like, <laughs> it's just so blatant. And he does things like that. Yeah, I think that that's like something very American though, isn't it? Like, you know, you could actually imagine that the Americans would find a new element in space that turns out to be really valuable, uh, that's really difficult to get hold of. And you could imagine some American Unobtainium, isn't it? Sort of unobtainable. Like, oh, yeah, brilliant. Let's just call it unobtainium. That's awesome. You know, you could, I could imagine that happening. You know, but it's uh, no. You're quite right, and there, there are, yeah, there are holes in a lot of James Cameron's work. I guess when you sort of get down to it, that do make it, it's all right on the first viewing because a lot of it gets glazed over by the visual effects that you've been drawn into. Yeah. But 
when you go back and watch again, all of a sudden they become glaringly obvious, and it's it's hard to ignore almost, isn't it? It's like the love story in Titanic is just sort of really an obvious choice, and I suppose that he thought, well, it's a tragedy, so the only tragedy he knew was that sort of saw the rich people on the ship and the poor people on the ship that they could mingle in this story would be like your Romeo and Juliet. So he's copied from that. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that really grates me on Titanic, I mean, I love the idea that it's sinking in real time, you know, from the second it hits that iceberg to the second it goes yeah. under the water, you are at that water level following the action following the boat sinking i think that is amazing but what i hate i absolutely it drives me nuts is that this woman who kate winslet becomes this elderly woman she's got a family so she's had a husband but when she dies she fucks off with jack you know and you think well what about your husband probably put up with you for like 40 50 years he's probably what oh are you going with him are you new for a day and a half all right yeah that's fine. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. That grates me. I, I didn't like that. Don't like that, mate. i got to be honest with you, mate. <clears throat> I, I've never been a fan of the film Titanic. And you know what? I used to say to um guy who used to live with me, Ryan, he used to love watching Titanic. And I said to him, honestly, and I did, you know, not to take words out of your mouth, and I can't prove it to you now, but I did say exactly that to him, that it was just Romeo and Juliet on a boat. And uh, he was like, oh, yeah, cheers. You kind of ruined it for me. And but it is, you know. Yeah, it's not for me. And once you get over the fact that it's there's only I mean that was a long film as well, wasn't it? How long was Titanic? Was it nearly was it Titanic two and a half was hours, about 3, three hours, hours, about 3 hours. I think cuz the boat took like an hour and a half to sink. And then <clears throat> there was like yeah. an hour and a half build up. I mean, I've got to be honest, I would have been happy with, you know, 5 minutes of uh, you know, quick 360 of the ship on the water and uh i'd have been done (laughs) obviously that is strictly my opinion it doesn't mean that it's a bad film uh and you know i don't want to i'm not trying to insult it no 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 it's just a romance on a boat that you know is gonna sink we're just chatting (laughs) shit chatting about films you know you could say what you want about films because we're being honest we're just i've said you know i could do without the Eowyn scenes in... Uh, is it Eowyn or is that the... Eowyn? Eowyn? Yeah, The, the Eowyn, elf woman, Eowyn. anyway. I can do about those scenes in Lord of the Rings there. Yeah. It's, it's out there. You know? It's Liv Tyler, isn't it? Liv it Tyler. Tyler, yeah. 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 So, I, yeah honestly, you I could have gone for a like bit Titanic. of Liv Tyler back in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I didn't, didn't like the ears. Don't like the ears. You don't like the ears? No. <laughs> Kate, Kate Blanchett was one as well, wasn't she? She, she was, was in The Lady of the Woods, wasn't she? Yeah. 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 I've got to be honest, mate. Kate Blanchett does it for me as well. Oh, mate. Benjamin Button. Oof. Christ. She was amazing in that. See, I couldn't get on with Benjamin Button. Did you not like Benjamin's Button? Didn't push my buttons, mate. I like David Fincher as well, but that film... Nah, didn't, didn't do it for me. I got... I've got to be honest, I've got a proper soft spot for, like, a modern fairy tale. Yeah. And um, The Curious Case of Benjamin's Button falls right into it. There's there's a wonderful sort of timeless 
feel to the middle of the film where they're both meeting in the middle of their lives. Uh, the build-up to it's quite fun and exciting. And then the drift off at the end where he becomes younger and she becomes older and they don't get to stay together. It's very sad and sort of emotional, but it's, in a way, it's very similar and totally different in my head to Forrest Gump because this guy, this totally ordinary guy that was born with this unfortunate circumstance goes on to live this amazing, wonderful life that no one ever could have predicted. And I think that's what I like about the films, you know? Yeah, I think maybe I'll have to give it another try. I haven't watched it since since it came out again. There's a lot of films I haven't watched since. That's, there's a lot of films, Nath, that I own, that I buy all the time. I pop in charity shops. I must have about 50 films that I own that I've never watched. It's funny how that happens, isn't it? Oh, it happens about four I've times a week least... to me. <laughs> I think I've got about three or four of them on the shelf that I've I own that I haven't seen. Yeah, uh, some of them have been sat on the shelves for years, like Crazy Heart, um, the Jeff Bridges right. film about a musician. I don't know what it's about. That's been there for ages. I always think, oh, I'll watch that one night. Never watched it. Uh, Center of a Woman, Al Pacino. It's meant to be a classic. Never watched it. <sighs> that yeah, that is a good film. I would recommend that. I love that film. Uh, he's, he's Al Pacino's brilliant in it. The assassination of the outlaw Jesse James. Oh, there's hundreds. I could just name. No, I, I could just keep naming that. them. But I do don't do, do you like a western, Trev? <sighs> not if I'm honest. No, not really. <laughs> I like city slickers. <laughs> the uh, the Western doesn't feature very highly on my list of uh, films to watch. I did quite enjoy A Million Ways to Die in the West, but I'm no. not entirely sure that counts. <laughs> I've not seen that. What Westerns? There must be a Western I do like. Kind of a Western. It's not really a Western. It's not about cowboys, but it's about the oil barons back then. Or um, There Will Be Blood. That's a great film. Have you ever seen that? There Will Be Blood. Daniel Day-Lewis, Paul you know Dano, what? Paul Thomas Anderson film. No, I don't think, I don't think I've seen it, Trevor, if I'm honest. Yeah, that's a really good one. Maybe that's one we'll have to sit and watch. I've given you a list of films to watch that we're going to get together and sort of discuss over time. Um, there is a Paul Thomas Anderson film in there. Um, he's right. one of my favourite directors. You probably know Boogie Nights. You've seen that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Derek Diggler. He's done a film with Adam Sandler called Punch Drunk Love. I've heard of it. I don't think I've the, seen it. The film that I've put on the list is a film called Inherent Vice, which is right. Joaquin Phoenix, or I like to call him Jay O'Quinn. Yeah. I'm just going to call him Jay O'Quinn because that's what I like to call him. Jay O'Quinn. Jay O'Quinn Phoenix. Yeah, makes sense. And um, he's like a detective in the 70s. It's a bit, it's a bit Big lebowski it, I just yeah, I'm looking forward to us both watching that. It didn't do very well. It's not his most popular film, but I just think it's great. Little bizarre film. That'd be a good one to discuss. But True Grit, that was one, wasn't it? Oh, the Cohen Brothers remake. Was that a remake? Was it? Yeah, there was an old. Um, I think it was um, John Wayne, wasn't it? Originally, right? He loves a western, doesn't he? Oh, he does, doesn't he? But I don't get into John Wayne films. I tell you, I got. A load of westerns downstairs. I bought all the uh, Fistful of Dollars films. 
Right, yeah, yeah. The spaghetti westerns, aren't they? The uh, Italian ones with yeah. Clint Eastwood. Sergio Leone. I've never watched any of them either. Speaking of Clint Eastwood, right, one of my absolute favourite films that I've watched, I don't know when it was released, but in the last 10 years, one of the favourite films that I've seen is that um, Gran Torino. Oh, that's brilliant. That's probably 15 years old now, mate. But yeah, that was good. I think it came out at a similar time to Harry Brown. And I remember watching Harry Brown. Yes. And similar story, isn't it? And at the end of Harry Brown, he goes off on this killing spree. And I just thought, what a load of shit. Yeah, I didn't really like the ending of that. I just thought it was rubbish. And I I didn't really enjoy the film, to be honest. So when I was watching Gran Torino, I was watching the whole thing thinking... It's just going down the same route, isn't it? It's going to be a big killing spree at the end, but it didn't. And it, I was, it, it, it surprised me that the American version of that story didn't go down that route, whereas the British did. Clint Eastwood, what yeah, a brilliant, yeah, yeah. brilliant way to end that film. The best way that he could teach that boy, wasn't it? It was just, just great. All the way through that film, he was just absolutely amazing. One of his best performances, you know. He just absolutely sold it for me. The the miserable old man sat on his porch and the world just won't leave him alone. And I know that you know how much that resonates with me, you know? (laughs) It's just, I can picture myself being that man and, uh, you know, I, I, I would almost relish the opportunity to be that man. You know, he plays it so well. He sells it to me. And, uh, yeah. I just, I just loved it. I just thought it was brilliant. I bought it on DVD. I've watched it about four or five times, and I never get bored of it. No, it's a good film. Uh, I think if I was to model myself on any cantankerous character, it would be Bill Murray. <laughs> uh, in, in any, in, pick a film, any film. You know, um, obviously, the life aquatic was Steve Sisu, Saint Vincent, uh, Saint Vincent. Uh, but there's another one. Isn't oh my there? god, he's brilliant in that. There's one called Broken Flowers, which is really good as well. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Um, I don't but know. Again, if I he's have. just he's trying to find his son. That is a really interesting film. That's a really good film. He's sort of a bit of a a bit of a playboy in his younger years, and now he's sort of old and depressed, and um, he finds out that he's he may or may not have a son. And he goes off trying to find right. his long lost son, tracking down all these so, old girlfriends. Broken flowers. I mean, I might have to. I do enjoy a good Bill Murray. I might have to try and find that. Yeah, well, I've got it. I, I lend did it, enjoy I can lend um, it to you when we're next. Yeah, to well, see I went each on other. a bit of a. I did go on a bit of a um, Bill Murray binge. Uh, I think. I think it might have been pre-lockdown. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was enjoying. Uh, I can't remember what the one is. Where it's, it's the chap that played Egon in um, Ghostbusters. Yeah, and Harold him Ramis. joined the army. What is it? Yeah, what it, is it? Oh, Something... stripes, stripes. Yes, yeah. that's the one. Bit yeah. of a weird film, but uh, just Bill Murray being Bill Murray. I think yeah, very the... early Bill Murray as no. well, wasn't it? That was like his John Candy as well, wasn't it? Yeah, Howard Ramis, he actually wrote Ghostbusters with Dan Aykroyd, didn't he? And Did he? And he directed Caddyshack. 
Yes. Another yeah. classic Murray role. Have you seen Caddyshack? I don't know if I have. Is that the one with the gopher? Yeah, yeah. I think I have seen it, or if I haven't seen it, I've seen bits of it a long time ago, though. I can't hardly remember it. Yeah, I don't know if that would be as funny now. I think a lot of the humour in these films, you wouldn't get away with these days so much. <laughs> Just I remember the scene, Bill Murray always had this sort of perverse crush on all the elderly women playing golf. <laughs> And he'd be like <laughs> stood behind the hedge watching them talking dirty to himself while they're playing golf. Um, real creepy, but just genius. You wouldn't yeah. do that now. And I it, mean, I like watching um, Kingpin as well. I watched Kingpin the other week, and Bill Murray in that just steals the show, doesn't he? As uh, Big Ern, yeah. Ernie McCracken, fondling all these single mums and. <laughs> That's that's a film I haven't seen for a long time. Yeah, always one of my favourites, but I must say, watching it this time, it's there's a few moments where I thought, oh, that sank like a brick. That doesn't seem as funny as I remembered, you know? There was some real funny bits in it, and I watched it with my son, and he, he was laughing in all the right places. So I'm trying to teach him sort of the films, what films to watch, uh, mainly comedy. Yeah, I did let him watch... Uh, Terminator 2 when he was seven, much to his mum's <laughs> annoyance. But I was watching films like that at yeah, his but age, that's, you know. Terminator 2 is like the soft one, isn't it? It's the still Terminator pretty, it's still pretty sort of... harsh, to be honest. There's a lot of scenes in there yeah. I was thinking, ooh, maybe I shouldn't be watching this with him. But it is... I think that's my favourite James Cameron film. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, Terminator was made just a little bit too soon it didn't quite have the um the budget and the technology to carry it off whereas what, terminator the f- 2 the first one. was so so polished wasn't it you know yeah i think he was still establishing himself that was you know it was his first film really he he was credited on piranha 2 but he'd been sacked for it but i think I think it was a fair budget. I think it was about six, seven million. And um, right. it's made really well on that budget. But a lot of the spaceship yeah. scenes, you yeah. can you see they're like, you can tell they're models. And in the second one, <laughs> yeah, you don't get I, that sense so much. It it was just the, the scene where he's in the mirror cutting his eyeball yeah. out. That was the... Uh, <laughs> That's that's you know the rest of the film you can live with is just that one scene. If they could have just done without it, it would have like it would have stopped the film from dating quite so badly. Plasticine head on a stick, sort of. Yeah, but yeah, like you say, you 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 know it was on a budget. It was a very early film of his, and you just got to do the best you can. But that's a, that's an amazing thing, isn't it? That you that you just can't get your head around is the fact that someone on no budget making something just messing around on a YouTube channel has got access to better special effects than a six million pound budget yeah. back in the eighties. Yeah, know? definitely. You could do better things on your phone. That face swapping that you can do on your phone now is absolutely, it's mind boggling, isn't it? It's just faultless. Oh, it's incredible. It. I actually watched a good clip come up on YouTube and uh, someone had face-swapped Dumb and Dumber with 
Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> if you get the chance to brilliant. find that, it is brilliant. The, the Arnold Schwarzenegger just looks like Arnie, but the Sylvester Stallone, Jim Carrey as Sylvester Stallone, is just it's just great. Definitely look that <laughs> up. I'll put it in the description below. I think if any of my viewers would like, if any of the listeners would like to have a look for that, it's it's definitely worth it. <laughs> But that's what I mean, you know, and you can do that on your phone now and it's faultless yeah. or you can have sort of like film your car and then have a meteor come and smash on, you know, blow it up. Just all done on your phone. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? Which, you know, leaves you wondering where will these actual high budget films go next? Because i got to be honest, all of the Marvel films just blew me away with the, with the special effects. There's just, the, you just cannot tell what is real and what isn't anymore. You know? No. It's, it's just the, the world is your oyster. Just if you can imagine it, you can make it happen, which I know is what um, Cameron was going for in avatar, you know? Um, and he definitely paved the way for a lot of this, but it's, you know, now it really is, is just faultless, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even like watching the Lord of the Rings, there's a few scenes in that, like the scene where they're running down the stairs in um, in the the caves when they're running away from the Balrog in the mines of Moria. Yeah, yeah, you can tell that they're sort of CGI dubbed on. There's like a green circle runs down with them, um, but apart yeah, yeah. from that, that film you had the Star Wars films coming out at the same time, but they just blew Star Wars away. And they used a mixture. Yeah. This is where Lucas went wrong. He used all CGI. And now you look and it, it's awful. It has dated so bad. Whereas yeah. Peter Jackson used live action, props, special effects, models, plus the CGI. And it's just so well molded together that yeah. it just looks real. You know, there's no reality in the the prequel Star Wars films and it just no. it's dated poorly and I think that the fans knew that and that's why when Abrahams JJ Abrams went and made the new films he went back to the old let's build sets let's build props you know and it, it worked a lot better it was like a return yeah, the, the, to that original trilogy watching the first one yeah, not so much by the end of the third one. No, but the last, the last. I've got to be honest. I don't. Have I still? I still don't think I've watched it. That's how much I was excited about it. I still don't think I watched it. What the third one? I watched. Yeah, no, I don't think I've seen it. I've seen the one where Princess Leia decides that she can float around in space <laughs> using the Force. <laughs> Mary Poppins. Yeah, yeah. Mary Poppins. Sorry, yeah, I get confused. Me, I get too confused. It's, I just can't understand. You got a film that big you're giving it to yeah. individuals to make this trilogy but with no yeah definite plot no through line just making it up as they go along yeah, it's crazy isn't it it just feels like a mess and you just think how can you make a series of films with no plan it just it's crazy isn't it yeah and it and unfortunately it shows in the finished project 
It does, yeah. Whereas you've got the Marvel films, and there's definitely, you know, they've been thinking about where they're going as a series. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I like, as much as I didn't want to enjoy Marvel, I was a bit of a, there. to me, there's film and there's movies. And I like film, you know, and these Marvel films yeah. were movies to me. But, and I didn't want to watch them, and it's like, oh, another bloody Marvel film. But the more I watched of them, the more I actually really like these are actually brilliant films. And I think the first one that I watched that surprised me, which I didn't want to watch, was Ant Man. And yes, yeah. I was just looking for a 3D film to buy because I had a 3D telly and I'm a bit of a 3D geek. And Ant Man was there. And I actually really enjoyed it. And then it was Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Oh. And then the, the new Spider Man. And I was like, why do they want to do another Spider Man film, you know? With um, what's his name? Tom Holland. Yeah, Tom Holland. And I watched the Spider Man, and I think the best, the best version of Spider Man yet, Tom Holland, is absolutely brilliant. The film was really exciting, and then by that point, I'm like, oh, so this is all tying into the Marvel universe now because it's got Iron Man in it, and (laughs) I've got to start watching it. So then, me and my son watched all the films in the order, not that they came out, but the order that you're supposed to watch them that they yeah. sort of take place in. And, yeah, I really enjoyed them. So it sort of changed I my did, mind mate. a bit. I bought most of them. I I thought the um, when you got to the first Avengers film, by the time you got to the first Avengers film, oh, my God, like that, I just, I'd never know where to look or what's going on in that film. I absolutely love it. Absolutely yeah. hooked. But for me, the, still, the best of them, the... Because I think by the end of it, the, the yeah, all right, the Iron Man character, the Tony Stark character, is is suit is constantly evolving, and you know I know a lot of the films are based on the history of the comic books, and sort of you know he's got all of these Mark Fifty whatever suits or whatever, but I think the very first rendition of uh, the Iron Man suit is so real to me in the original. Oh, but when Iron he's Man back film. in like Afghanistan or somewhere, wasn't it? That one. Yeah, no, not not the um, no, not that one which he builds in the cave, but ah, the first right. proper Iron Man suit, the, not the silver one, but the first proper red and um, gold one that he builds. It yeah. just, something about it just and the sound effects in it, it just feels and sounds so solid and heavy and metal, and it comes across. And they build that into the film the way they portray it. In later films, it just seems a bit more. It just does. It doesn't seem to have the same edge. You know, no. it just seems a bit softer. Uh, whether it was because it was the first Marvel film that I really watched, or was it was it the first of the Marvel? It um, was the Avengers very films? first Marvel film actually made by Marvel Studios. Right. Oh yeah. well, they nailed it. Yeah, I loved it, and Robert Downey Jr. as well just steals the show. Uh, yeah, and you know. He was a bit of a jerk in a lot of things, He's, or, you know, just in life in general. But I Well, yeah, he didn't have a whatever. shootout with I, uh, police <laughs> because they was trying to get him back into rehab. Yeah. It's just <laughs> crazy, you know. But Not a lot of people would come back after something like that. Not a lot of careers would be given a second chance to flourish. Would they? But, you know, looking at it now, could you imagine anyone else playing Tony Stark? No, no. He is just right no, for the he, role, isn't he? And I've yeah, always been a bit of a Danny Jr. fan anyway. I think Natural Born Killers, he stole the show for me in that. Um, 
Yeah. There's a film, I don't know if you've ever seen the film, uh, I think it's Richard Linklater film, um, but based on a Philip K. Dick book called A Scanner Darkly. Right. It's, it's like an anim- It's a, a live action film, but with rotoscope animation sort of over the top. So it looks right. like a cartoon, but it's it's actors and it's him and Keanu Reeves. And he was great in that as well. And then David Fincher's Zodiac is really good. Really good in that, and I think there's the the germination of Tony Stark in that role. I think, and also Mark Ruffalo's in yeah. Zodiac as well, who goes on to become the Hulk. And um, yeah, I just think I, watching those films, he's he's great. Yeah, there's almost been elements of greatness in uh, Robert Downey Jr., and I think maybe is. Um... You know, maybe the thing that he struggled with was the fact that he knew it so much, you know? You know, yeah, as he's got older, as he's matured with age, he's, you know, wow. Anyway, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, because like in the early Robert Downey Jr. films, he was always sort of like the best friend of the leading role in sort of 80s comedies and things, wasn't he? Always the always the bridesmaid, never the yeah. bride. Was he in uh, Weird Science? You know what? I think I think I seen some imagery from that the other day, and I think he was. Don't ask me why I was looking at that the other day, but it's. Um, and he played Charlie Chaplin, didn't he? In Chaplin. Yeah. There's a lot of roles, sort of, you forget that he was in. Back in the day, isn't it? He was yes. Sherlock Holmes before. He played a white man who had pigment surgery to become a black man in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Tropic Thunder. I don't know if I enjoyed that film. I watched that recently and I I didn't laugh all that much, if I'm honest. No, no, I think um, Ben Stiller sort of uh, dropped a clanger in that one. There's uh, Back to School, the Rodney Dangerfield film. I'm pretty sure that Robert Downey Jr. was in that as his best friend, the best friend of his of his son in that. They're all at university together. right. But yeah, he's come a long way. He's done some really great films. Have you ever seen Zodiac, about the Zodiac Killer? I don't think I have, mate. That's quite a long film, three hours, quite dark, really violent. Some sort of disturbing scenes. It's a true story all about the Zodiac Killer who they never found. And it's all about the police and the newspaper. You know, one chap um, gets a bit obsessed with... Well, they all get a bit obsessed with it, but in the end it's like... Solving this case is going to destroy them. So they all, one by one, sort of drop off, except for uh, Jake Gillinghall, who just can't let it go. And, yeah, just a great film. Robert Downey Jr. sort of ends up becoming like a, a bit of an alcoholic. It just torments him. And Mark Ruffalo plays a policeman who, in the end, he's just got to wash his hands of it because he's not getting anywhere. Really interesting film. David Fincher. I might have to have a look at that. I went through a phase in the last couple of years of just watching a lot of serial killer films and documentaries. And it started when I watched Zodiac and then um, Mindhunter came out on Netflix, which is also uh, David Fincher. I've watched all that series and then I got a bit obsessed with serial killers. (laughs) And then you think, I'm watching too much. (laughs) I want to watch some Disney now. We get Disney Plus from one extreme to the other. Yeah, Zodiac is probably one of the best serial killer films. Well, I shall I shall have to put that on the list. 
you know, because obviously your your sort of knowledge of film way, 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 way outweighs outweighs my knowledge of film. Uh, you know, and just the sheer number of films that you've you've seen, and like you say, um, you know, you're definitely more into films than what you'd call movies. You know, um, whereas I've never never in my mind thought to even make that distinction. When you speak to people about films, most people now, it's like, oh, I watched this great film the other day. Oh, what's that? And they'll tell you what the film is and you can remember seeing it on the top 10 most popular films on Netflix or whatever, you know, because people aren't looking further afield for those gritty films, those alternative films, like, you know. And when I speak to you about film, whenever you recommend a film, it is like a proper thought-out recommendation of something that I'm not likely to have seen or heard of or isn't sort of you know trending right now or whatever like you know and and that's something um all throughout our friendship that you've brought to the table is the oh have you seen this film Nate? have you seen that film there's there are films in my collection that wouldn't be there if i didn't know you most notably the meaning of life no the tree of life (laughs) you said you watched the tree of life yeah, that is a whole nother podcast all of its own right there, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, I think like, wow. we will have to do it. We will have to talk about it because it's it's one of those films that, you know, I watched A Tree of Life the same week as a couple of my friends watched it who went in for a Brad Pitt film, yep. not realising they're watching a Terence Malick film and not knowing who Terence Malick was. And they've come to me and said, oh, we watched A Tree of Life the other day. And I was like, oh, brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> and just saw their look of confusion <laughs> on the faces. I mean, it is this? It's, it's a strange film to get your head around. Um, but I, at the time, I loved it, and I loved that what? tangent in the middle. The uh, yeah. creation of the universe <laughs> in answer to her prayer, really, wasn't it? Why has this happened to me? It's like, yeah, you're just part of this. It's nothing, <laughs> it's not personal. Nothing personal. No. <laughs> yeah. Creation and destruction. If you watch it and allow yourself to be fully immersed in it with a bit of an open mind, it makes sense from start to finish in a in a roundabout sort of way. You know, you really have to, you have to earn it. It's a film where you have to earn it. It's not like one of these crazy uh, sort of, films where you know they they sort of feel like they need to over explain certain parts of the plot where you're like yeah all right i made that jump five minutes ago sort of come on let's move on now like you know it's you know you have to work for your enjoyment out of it or the understanding of it it's um yes definitely a very different film i can understand why people don't like it and you've got to sort of have some sort of reading be you know being able to read film to understand and to follow it. It's not yeah. a, a fully formed beginning, middle and end narrative uh, hitting all those marks <laughs> that, you know, those generic marks that you'd expect in a screenplay. It's, it's, it's arty, isn't it? It's an art film. It's like a film equivalent of having to make the effort of reading the story to yourself. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's almost like a stream of consciousness, isn't it? It's like very dreamlike. Yeah. It's sort of in and out. And I mean, Sean Penn's in it. And he hated it, didn't he? And he was, he was in Terence Malick's uh, war film, um, The Thin Red Line. 
and he couldn't wait to be in Tree of Life. And then he, I think he fell out with Malik a bit because it's like, oh, that's not what I thought I was in it for. You know, and Malik's like, well, you're just another piece. I don't think he, I think when he edits films, he's throwing it together like a, an artist would a painting a mural almost. I mean, with, with, with the Tree of Life, when I was watching it, I definitely felt, and I have this really satisfying sensation when I was watching it, that I was understanding the artistic choices that were being made in the scenes and the shots, uh, you know, and, you know, the limited dialogue that you were getting, why it was there. But when I think back to it, I'm at a loss. You know, if, if we're going to discuss it, it's the sort of thing that I really, I really need to sit and wet and make notes, you know? Yeah. But it's, um, it's, it's a, yeah, it is a strange film and it is, one for another day, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's there's so many uh, routes to go down discussing it that I yeah, like you say, we could we could almost do a series on uh, just that one film. I feel <laughs> yeah, definitely. But there you go. But uh, yeah, so we sort of uh, I think we've gone through a good cycle of uh, film chat here, Nath, don't you? Well. I think there's enough on there for people to definitely get an idea of what we're about. Well, I'll tell you what, Nath, I have needed this for so long to chat about films. You know, this has been a bit of an unstructured chat, a bit of a just meander through our sort of film history. Um, in future, hopefully we'll have a bit more structure, talk about certain episodes and what have you, certain film directors, what have you, or something like that. Yeah. You know? But I've definitely enjoyed this. It's been nice to get some film chat off my chest. It's been too long. So thank you for joining no, me. No, it's good. It was, it, was, it was definitely building up. It was like a boil that needed lancing, wasn't it? Oh, it's been a boil that's needed lancing for years and years. I have so much I want to talk about films and no one to talk about it with. So this is great. And hopefully you guys out there listening... I've enjoyed it, and we'll come back for more. I think for a first effort, mate, that was fairly uh, fairly good. Yeah. I quite enjoyed that. All right, well, thanks ever so much for that, Nath. Thanks ever so much for anyone who has listened to this and is still here at the end. Yeah, thanks for that one listener. Next week, we'll both watch a film and then get together and talk about that film. They're not always going to be as long sort of lengths as this chat. Um, but also, I think if people put in the comments below a topic for us to chat about or research or a filmmaker or an actor and then we can sort of get together and discuss those as well you know anything goes as long as we're talking about movies 